we walk into this long conference table and this um, um, colonel was sitting at the table and he's like, we have a problem. And I was like, I thought we were in trouble. And he was like, we have 50 Marines who are about ready to get discharged. He's like, they're overweight. He's like, do you think your meals can help us? And I was like, of oh, course, wow. you know? Okay. So again, if you're an entrepreneur, say yes. And then figure out, figure like, it out after. Yep. throw your parachute. However, Welcome to Whisking It All with your host, Angelus Pizzito, co-founder of Whisk.ai, a food and beverage intelligence platform. We're going to be interviewing hospitality professionals around the world to really understand how they do what they do. Welcome to another episode of Whisking It All. We are joined today by Yvonne Verity, founder or co-founder at CleanEats.com. That's Clean Eats, E-A-T. Z or Z, depending if you're Canadian or American.com. Yvonne, thank you for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. I was super interested to kind of hear about your journey because I see that you guys are more than 85 locations. But before jumping into all that stuff, I'd love to maybe just get a get an overview of who is Yvonne? How did you even get started in in, in this space? Um, and then hear a bit about like the inception of clean eats yeah so i kind of have a crazy story um i started um i guess i always have had like a fitness uh like passion with me and so i thought that i was going to go into physical therapy back in my high school years um i'm from a farm i'm a farm kid so my parents um they're in their um, 70s still live on okay. the farm um, still raise their own beef. Still, my mom awesome. uses a ringer wash machine. I don't know if you remember the ringer wash machines. Tell me, tell me what that is. I don't know. Tell me. So it's like the whole manual wash machines that you like do the, uh, like the thing. And then you have to hand put your things into the ringer and it. you have to wash tubs. So got it, got it, got it. Hang them on the clothesline. Yeah. So my parents still, my mom still uses that because she doesn't believe in sometimes commercial wash machines can do the same job. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I mean, now looking back on things, like I was like, we were poor, you know? So um, obviously we didn't, um, I didn't think about that as a kid. Um, uh, so I did, I, I look back and I always think that I was an entrepreneur because like I gathered walnuts from our walnuts trees and shucked them during the winter and sold walnuts and picked up cans in the ditches on my bike and did that. And um, I don't know if you guys know mushroom hunting, but like, illegal mushrooms like that grows in the ground <laughs> right, right. Uh, stuff. and um, would go mushroom hunting in the spring and sell them to um, people at the bar and stuff. So I look back on it now and I was like, oh, I always was maybe on this path. Um, but I was starting in health and fitness. I really wanted to be a physical therapy. And that was the year that they changed it to a five-year master's degree. Yeah. And um, so we went toward the school and then when we sat down with the counselor and my mom got the um, bill of what it was going to cost for one semester, she was just like, hey, we can't do this. Um, so she signed me up for x-ray school. Um, so I became an x-ray tech and um, I still kind of did like my little fitness stuff on the side. Um, long story short, I got yeah. melanoma oh, and okay. um, by like just a fluke finding it. So they end up cutting the melanoma off the back of my leg. And, um, six months later I was with a ultrasound student who needed to scan and I had some like lumps in my groin. So, um, I was like, here, scan these. And 
um, they thought that that was lymphoma. So I was like, I got to quit doing all these free scans. So went into surgery. Um, the physician or the surgeon there gave me like the three, like three outcomes, like either you're a goner because this is lymphoma. Um, we're going to take the lymph nodes out and you're going to be like, um, probably lymphedema in your legs or you're going to be fine. And I was like, okay. So when I came out, um, I didn't see, like, I was expecting tubes in my legs and stuff and there wasn't any, right? So I reached out, I'm like, oh, I'm a goner. And, uh, he came he's like, I don't know what angels on your side. He's like, but, um, you are clear of everything. And I was uh... like, okay. So he was like, you just got a second chance to life. You better go live it. And at the time I was kind of doing a little bit of kickboxing instructing on the side. And I had a group of women in my, um, uh, fitness class that they just could not lose weight. And so I set them down one day and I was like, why can you not lose weight in small town population of 600 people? We had a McDonald's on one corner and a Hardee's <laughs> on the other corner. So as soon as they left my fitness classes, you know where they were, they were right through the drive-thru. And so, I mean, I know it's cliche and all that you just can't out exercise a bad diet. Right. So right. I set them down in on a Saturday in the room and I said, at this time I was kind of like meal prepping, which was back in 2006. So right. yeah, no one okay. even heard of meal plan companies back then. Um, so I was like, Hey ladies, if I like make your meals, like I'm eating, um, would you guys do a six week program with me? And they're like, sure. So at the end of six weeks, all of my ladies had lost weight. And before I knew um, this redhead in town, was meal prepping and training people at this local gym, which it wasn't even a gym. It was our hospital who we used their physical therapy department to train in. So that's wow. how like, uh, it was just old school back then. So yeah. So when I got all this second chance of life, I was like, man, I just really want this meal prep thing to take off. So I walked into my x-ray job and I quit. Um, I ended up getting divorced because I was not happy. I had two daughters at the time. And I was like, what am I going to do? So my mom's like, do you have an, a, a theory? And I was like, I think I'm going to take this meal prepping business um, to like an open a cafe. And she's like, okay, they all thought I was crazy. They're like, you left a pension, you left insurance, you left a steady income. Like, what are you thinking? And I was mm -hmm. like, I don't know. And I think the best entrepreneurs is like, you're willing to leave everything behind and go pursue your future, you know? No plan B in the works, always plan A. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we got. Um, I met, uh, I ended up getting a lease on this building, which I had no clue how to run a restaurant. Uh, I thought a refrigerator. So before that, I got to ask you this. Before that, you never worked at a restaurant? Just like, um, I was like a waitress at Pizza Man, you know, but nothing. Little to no experience. So just like, I'm going to open this. That's impressive to, to jump in, right? Like with both feet because you don't didn't have any experience. And, and so what did life look like then? You're like, okay, mom's like, you're crazy. Everyone's kind of like, what are you doing? So you kind of get this lease and, and, and what happens next? So I couldn't afford the lease and my home at the same time. So there was like a little closet in the back of this restaurant um, that I, it wasn't a restaurant. I was converting a, a blockbuster into a restaurant. So it had nothing. Um, and so there was a little closet in the back and I was like, okay, this is where I'm living. So I made me a little living quarters in the restaurant. Um, I had positioned the restaurant right across from a gym and I was like, okay, so I can sleep here. I have food cause obviously it's a cafe and I can go across the street, work out and shower. And so that's what I did for two years. 
um, wow, back in the day. Um, it was, I loved it. I mean, looking back, obviously it makes a great story now, but I really did love it because I, you know, have been in the divorce and um, I got to see the kids, like it was obviously split custody. So when I didn't have them, like what else to do, but throw yourself into work. So mm. it was great. So I was there 24 seven. So it was awesome. That's crazy. What a story. And let me, let me ask you this. At that time, was the name already Clean Eats or was that something that developed later? No. So my six-year-old daughter um, came up with the um, name. It was called Low Cal Cafe, which was terrible um, because it looked like, one, it made us think that no one was going to get full because we were such low calorie, right? And then for the people who didn't understand diet world and it's low calorie, they thought it was local cafe. So it was... <laughs> It was a terrible name. And then I met my husband um, across at the gym. And then uh, he came on board when the housing market crashed. Um, and then we moved out here to Wilmington, North Carolina. Wow. And so I, I got to ask you, so early days, you kind of broke this cafe. Uh, what did operations look like back then, right? So you're sleeping there. You're all in. You're cooking. How are you getting customers? I mean, obviously, very smart that you moved in front of a gym. What were you doing? Because I'd love to hear like tactics in the early days, right? Like doing what you got to do to like, you know, how tactics evolve. But yeah, I'd yeah. love to hear from you. No Facebook. Email had just started that. Mm. And so um, I was boots to the ground. I was old school, man. So I set up um, anything that had a gym, any um, event that we had. I was handing out the samples. Um, nice. I was at all the bodybuilding fitness things. Uh, I was knocking on doors. I was passing out flyers. So like it was back to the boots on the ground. That's awesome. And, and at that time, were you, is it, was it mainly like people would come in and pick up or dine in or was it all delivery too? Like, cause I'm imagining in the early days, like how are you delivering? So like, what did it look like back then? Yeah, no delivery, no DoorDash, none of that stuff. Um, I was texting, remember flip phones? So yep. I uh, had started gathering phone numbers, like cell phone numbers. And so I would Smart. text out our menu, um, you know, like mm. A, B, C, you know. Uh, so it would take me all Sunday to do that. And then how I collected my orders was that they would text me back with what they wanted. So I always laugh and I'm like, it was the stick figure method, you know, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> one, two, three, oh, smash. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, especially like with the original cell phones where you had to click the key three times, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like it was so long to write a sentence. That must, have, that must have been so painful to write a meal plan with those keyboards. And they only had max of 10 digits on there. So, you know, I had like wow. at that point, like 40 some people. So I had to send it out four and there was no copy and paste back oh in the day. So, yeah, it was. Wow, talk about the grind. The grind. Wow. Okay. And so for people listening, obviously I checked out Clean Eats and I know what it is, but for people who don't know, what, what is Clean Eats today? You know, how many locations do you guys have? I know, and, and we'll, we'll back, kind of backtrack, but like, what does Clean Eats look like today? Um, so we are, as of today, um, we have 98 locations open. Ooh, um, we have nice. 87 in the pipeline. Um, we're on track to usually open anywhere from 25 to 30 locations each year um, is how wow. we kind of got it all stacked up. Yeah. Um, so cleanies, um, I know everyone is like tired of hearing this meal plan game, you know, the um, home or the blue apron and HelloFresh yeah. and that kind of stuff. So we are a brick and mortar. 
Um, we look like a regular restaurant. Um, you can walk in, order off the menu fresh food, um, but our jam is usually these prepackaged meals. So we do six fresh meals each week, and then um, we have our grab and go section. Uh, we do our marketplace, which has really gotten into development here recently. And then obviously the traditional catering. Wow. And right now, like, are you guys in certain geographical areas like that are strong or pretty much across? I mean, based on your website, I saw quite a few states, but what, what, are you, what do you see kind of going on? Do you see any trends in certain states where you guys are pretty heavy? Um, we're really heavy um, east of the Mississippi because obviously when we first... Um, uh, franchise. There was just me and my husband. And so we knew that we were like a three man team. So we made, we did a lot of, um, we filled out like North Carolina first, South Carolina, um, mm. the Georgia, and then started going into like the Florida. Um, and then in 2000, let's say 20, I think it was, uh, we hired brand one, who's our franchise developers. And we started going across that Mississippi over into the West coast. Uh, area. So I think currently we're in 26 states right now. Um, wow. I might be 27. I might be off on that. But it's really when we get into a new state, usually our growth strategy is to try to get as like kind of like for brand awareness, for your distribution of your food and even your ops, you know, um, develop or just in your ops team out there, we try to kind of get it to where we at least have three or four um, cafes getting ready to open in that area. Got it. And and when you look at areas, just totally out of curiosity, do you guys still stick to what you did back in the day of trying to open near gyms or is that is that model kind of different now? What does that look like? It's always good um, because that's our, usually our like-minded people are usually across right. the street from us in a gym. Uh, if not, then we try to um, kind of go around a military base or mm. um, a university. Um, we try to stay away from like those downtown populations. You kind of want to be in the area where people are coming back home because they usually pick up their meals on their way home. Um, hospitals are really great for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, most, most of the time there's usually a gym around us at some like within three miles. So right. That makes a ton of sense. And I'd love to hear because a lot of our listeners, right, they they either own restaurants, manage some groups, some franchises. And so like, you know, pretty big jump from, you know, local cafe to clean eats, 97, 97 or 98 locations. 98. Uh, so, so like pretty, pretty big jump. So I'd love to hear, you know, just even share some kind of nuggets and learnings. Like what did the early days look like in terms of, hey, we got this one location grinding, doing what I got to do to make it work to then saying, let's open a second or third, fourth, whatever it is, right? Yeah, so we had, in the beginning, before we franchised, we had totally thought we were gonna open a second location. And so when we went in to design our dream cafe, uh, the guy behind the counter, he's like, you know, like rumor has it through town, you all should be franchising. And we're like, we have no, we're gym rat. Like, I had no idea, I'm an x-ray tech, he's a carpenter. Mm -hmm. We just go to the gym to do that. We had no idea what franchising was. And so we started researching it a little bit and we're like, yeah, you know, maybe we will do this because our mission has always been to impact as many people as possible. And we're like, mm. we ain't going to do this, you know, by ourselves. We need an army of this. And so we end up franchising and the guys who franchise us are like, don't worry. Like usually it takes like six to eight months to sell a unit. So you guys are good. We'll work on operations. We'll do all this. And we're like, okay. 
And then six of our customers who were coming in our cafes decided to buy a franchise all at one time. So wow. we really had to get, um, get okay. everything in order fast. Um, and if you know, like, I don't know, I, I mean, people have strengths in operations, people have strengths yeah. in creativity and yeah. like I could, I could operate the cafe, but it was so hard for me to get everything out of my head onto paper and then make everyone understand what I was trying to talk about, you know? Hmm. Um, so that was a really big learning curve for us. We joke with the six owners who are still in our system because I would send out text messages with like the new recipes for the week, your operation <laughs> manual, you know, I mean, I'm like sitting here texting this, like I, we had no clue, like, and thank God they were so, you know, forgiving with us and they worked with us and, and they all like, one of them was a cable guy, you know, so he had no idea what franchising was. So all six of them had no idea what franchising even meant either. So we were all kind of learning wow. together with this. I mean, that's impressive because you're like, a, that they started so early and that they're still around is already, you know, in the restaurant world in general, like you're lucky if you pass like year two kind of thing. So just that in itself is, is something. And the other thing that kind of caught my attention is usually, at least on the more restaurant, restaurant side, it's like you need a couple locations to kind of prove out the numbers and repeatability. And then like, you know, there's the world of then trying to franchise it. So like, it's kind of crazy that you're able to do it one, which leads me to my question how good were the numbers let's say in terms of like percentages like in terms of your your you know bottom line and looking at you know your your cost of goods sold and labor costs like were things that solid let's say at one location that it it made it a no-brainer for the other six or was it more like they believed in the vision and the numbers were secondary kind of thing yeah we didn't even do a pnl uh oh my god okay. like three years um okay so when these guys came into franchises that was the first pnl that we had ever done i mean obviously we just we did like kind of at the end of the years you know like with the tax right, 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 right. and he'd be like oh yeah he, you know so we had we we were living our dream and i know that sounds for everyone who's out there with number guys like i know that just makes you cringe you know but um like we were just talking about this the other night because some of our owners are so like down to the penny and I'm just like, right. is your bank account growing? And they're like, well, yeah. I'm like, that's all you got to worry about, man. Like we can like quit like dissecting every single ingredient. Like it's, it's about the bigger picture here. And so we kind of laughed about it yesterday. Cause I'm like, as long as we are like, we had 20,000 in our account and then we're like, okay, well let's get 25, let's get 30, you know? And so wow. that's how we did our success. And, you know, at the end, like that bank account was getting up to 80 and the tax bills started coming in a little bit higher because we were making more money. And um, so then when they franchised us, they deep dived into everything, you know. Um, so that was kind of, yeah. And I don't even know what the numbers were at that time. I'm like the food food girl. So um, my awesome. husband's like the black and white, you know, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but no I worries. A lot of... Um, the ones that are still there, like um, one of our owners in Raleigh, North Carolina, I mean, he just built over a $2 million home and moved wow. in um, last week. So yes, I, I think the number, you know, I don't want, but they must, something must be working. So. Right, 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 right. And, and I, and I guess like, what were the less, some lessons you learned, right? Cause obviously it's amazing to learn from your own lessons. Like I've made so many mistakes in my business and the, the software hospitality space and you're always learning, but it's also nice sometimes to learn from other people's mistakes if you can. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure you hit, you know, you learned a lot, as you mentioned, probably about, you know, 
SOPs and kind of documenting things once you were more than just a, you know, one man show, so to speak. What were some kind of hurdles you got from like, you know, going to those initial, let's call it five locations to then scaling to that next level, whether that's 15 or 20, like what are some other hurdles that you kind of had to learn along the way? I would say the biggest thing and still to this day is communication. You know, um, it's, that's probably my weakest link is communication. I think I say I have a lot of conversations in my head, which don't like project sometimes to, I think that I have said it, that I have it, you know, and it was consistency across the brand. Um, so that all of our meals look the same, that drove me crazy forever. And we really have a good like system right now. So I could pretty much say probably like 96% of all of our meals probably not probably they taste the same, look the same and all that just from the years of development, those recipes and the pictures. And, um, I always use the peanut butter and jelly method. I don't know if you've ever heard that where the kids are trying to make a peanut butter and jelly with the dad and all the instructions are just crazy. So check that out. If you're having problems with communication in your systems, um, operations, I would say another one is your man, you know, we all come in with egos and we think mm-hmm. our way is the best and I did it, you know, this is the way I've done it and nothing wants to change. And that was a really big thing for me. Uh, cause obviously I I'm redheaded and I do have the temper with the red hair. Um, <laughs> I was known for flipping some tables in the days, um, oh my God. but that having owners and having them invest their money and, um, being able to, let your ego come down and listen to their suggestions because, you know, like that's the only way you get better is taking feedback was a huge, huge thing. That's, that's, that's crazy. And, you know, obviously whisk on, on the whisk side, like we, we help mainly restaurants, but hotels, bars, that kind of stuff too. But really with the, all the stuff they kind of hate, which is kind of like what you mentioned, like, ah, I don't, I don't like those things. And for us, our kind of whole mission was like, man, so many people get into the hospitality space for, a lot of different reasons, but you know, the culinary experience or the guest experience. And then they kind of realizes there's all these other things they need to do. Like, oh man, Excel and P and L's, like you mentioned, and like, you know, my labor Marketing. costs, my cost of goods sold market, like so many, like, and so we're like, okay, how can we help take some of that off their plate? And so I'd love to hear from you in scaling. I imagine, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine you always probably had to start leaning in on some technology. So I'd love to maybe like talk through maybe some of like, your tech stack like you know like what were some of the important things in general when it came to technology and scaling whether it, it could be marketing it could be back of house front of house pos i'd love to hear just from your point of view like how did you see that evolution and what were things that made a real big difference from going to you know zero to 98 locations um i would say the biggest part that um and we're kind of going through the transition hopefully it's going to be done within the next 30 days um was pos Um, Mm. it was, and I'm not saying this to like, but a lockdown POS system is like the best way to collect data. And we were using another one where they could just add in all their own buttons. They could, you know, make like every cafe probably had like, there are like 10 things that they made that weren't on Mm -hmm. our menu or, you know, like, and then when they post it, you know, everyone else. So I would say the biggest piece would be to have a POS that you can collect the data and lock it down for your menu pricing, your um, recipes and all that. And then on the flip side of that comes, we use restaurant 365 um, for your food inventory. We're kind of complicated more than other restaurants only because we change our menu every week. 
Um, and then we have our grab and go selections, which have over 300 recipes in them. So to oh, really wow. get those okay. accurate um, food costs in there, you know, because a, an owner might say, I'm running 45% food cost, you know? And I was like, I've been to your restaurant, man. You got that back storage and you have a lot of inventory in there. So it was kind of good to see, you know, that made a huge thing because some mm. of them poured, like we have meal plan containers. I know I can name you six franchise owners right now that probably have a garage full of meal plan <laughs> because at one point we ran out, you know, four years ago. And so now they hoard, you know, a pallet. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I was like, so you have that. And so that was a really good, as far as like um, marketing, man, I feel like every time you figure this one out, it changes again. Right. So right, right, right. Um, we use Marvia. We support them with all the graphics. Again, our menu changes every week. So that's six new that's so pictures cool. that got to yeah. be uploaded, the meal plans, emails and all that. Um, so that was a really good thing for us is that we could with that, the owners can go in there and grab their libraries and do that. Hmm. Um, communication, I just said, um, Frame Connect was a good one for that. Um, that way we can all share the same um, post, um, the you know, it gives them a platform to talk to each other um, nice. on that. Um, we put tickets in because, you know, it's food. Nothing's perfect in this world. Um, yep. So they can put their tickets in. We can answer the ticket. We can collaborate with those tickets to see if this is a problem that keeps going, that we need to figure this one out. Um, I would say those are probably, try and think. Those are great. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. And, and the POS, I think, I think that that probably will resonate with a lot of our audience because it's you know when you have one place two places pick your preference and and I'll, I'll be honest we integrate with 60 point of sales so i hear the best and the worst of the same thing so it's come to a point where it's like there's a lot of personal preferences where someone will say this x pos is my favorite and then someone else will be like oh that same pos is the worst pos i've ever used you yeah. know so really it's a preference but to your point once you do start scaling we see like there's less options because you do need that POS that can have like the centralization and you want the, the, the POS items to be the same so you can analyze the data and not everyone to have different modifiers and different SKUs. And then it's so hard. So that kind of stuff of being able to centralize and push and control pricing like starts becoming quite important. So that, that makes a ton of sense. Um, the back of house, same thing. We're, we're somewhat similar to Restaurant 365. They're a little more on the accounting side. We're a little more on the operational side, but same type of thing, like back of house, inventory ordering. And, and I don't care what people use at the end of the day, but I just tell people it's important. Like use something because that stuff is hard. Again, you can get away when you're one location and you're kind of there all the time. Sure, you can figure it out on Excel, but at a certain point, Excel starts taking too much time because you're spending more time figuring out where the formula broke than getting the results you need. So there's that kind of like threshold of like Excel is good to a certain extent, you know? Um, but it's funny. It's great to hear like your tech stack. Cause I've been talking to more restaurants and I've been trying to bring it up more on the podcast just to kind of, it's, it's great just to hear how like restaurants and, and, and hospitality, you know, folks in general, are just kind of adapting and, and leveraging. Um, I'd love to hear what about on the delivery side, you guys do delivery. Are you just using the third party deliveries? Do you guys do online ordering? I'm assuming you do to somewhat. I'd love to hear about that side of things. We do do online ordering. Um, we don't personally deliver to anybody. I know there's a lot of companies out there, the meal plan game that do deliver. Right. Um, it is just a nightmare. We pilot program that with like three locations and it was just, I, no one knows. It's a hard like, problem it sounds to solve, easy, yeah. 
that you like yeah. you got someone who doesn't use that door and they didn't get their meals or the neighbor's dog ate the meals or you know so <laughs> um it was it was a headache we did it for almost a year and i'm like no we're done and then just the amount of stuff that you have to use with your refrigerated meals like the ice packs you don't think about the um, the foam that goes in there, you know? So hmm. we do use, um, I think all the third party deliveries, the DoorDash, okay. the, um, Uber Eats and that, you know, um, people, we always like joke, we're like, Oh, we're a healthy concept. You guys should come through, you know, our doors, get out and get your steps in, you know, we've kind of say right, that, right, right, right. Right. but yeah, it's convenience. So, but no, most- it, it makes sense. No, I was just gonna say it makes sense. It makes sense. Cause the truth is like, and I think there's a lesson there. Like sometimes you need to try things as an entrepreneur, try things and there's nothing wrong with failing, but like try, see, reiterate, reiterate. And then like, if it's not working, the cost don't make sense that like, there's nothing wrong with like canning an idea. Right. And in your case, yeah, like it is a logistical nightmare. There's a reason like Uber, I think to this day or is like still not profitable. Like it's hard. It's a hard yeah. problem to solve. And um, it's, I think there's a lesson there in terms of like sticking to what you're good at, not being scared to try new things, but also not letting your ego get in the way and saying, Hey, this was kind of like, you know, we tried it. It's not working. Let's go, you know, let's go back. Are there, are there other things you can maybe share with our audience of things you've tried that maybe you're like, huh, not the <laughs> result I was hoping for. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a whole list. <laughs> I don't think we have enough time on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Supply chain was another big one. You know, um, how do you get logo products every which way, you know, and Mm. we've gone through a couple of logistic nightmares with logo. Everyone loves logo products, but you like a lot of, if you're going from like 50 to hundred, you know, I think that's great. I know that below that, you know, there's so much skews. There's so much money that's tied up into that. Then you have to pay the cost of someone to house it and deliver it, you know, Mm. and shipping costs have gone up sky high. So it's really just a break even on that. Um, Try and think what else we've had numerous recipes, obviously, like um, we got into the bar business about um, four years ago and we're so excited about them. We had this big convention. We introduced these brand new bars that were like, you know, packaged with our logos. And then about four weeks later, people opened them and they were full of mode mold. I'm sorry. No. Uh, so vetting your distributors or your uh, wow. manufacturers is another huge lesson that we learned. Um, I want to say employees, like that's always a lesson in itself. Like one, yeah. when to build who you build um, personalities. We're kind of like a centric group because, you know, we work out, we eat healthy. So that doesn't fit in your food industry norm of operators, you know, um, right. normally they're coming from late hours, um, breezy right, food, right, right. alcohol. So they're just a little unhealthy-ish. Um, but we yeah. have huge success stories with the ones who did come to us, um, their weight loss journeys and that kind of stuff. Trying to think what else we've done. Um, operational, yeah, menus, you know, fail. I mean, that's that's a that's a tough one. You're, I like, I mean, <laughs> it might give hope to like all our listeners because like the fact that, you know, Typically, our clients will change seasonally, maybe specials once a week, so one item a week. You're, you're, that's a tough one. Like, you guys, like, I'm even processing that, like, man, that's a lot of work. Like, a every lot. week, a new item, a new menu is, that's a tough one. But then again, it's a bit of a, the, the flip side of that is it's a bit of a barrier to entry because it's hard, it's hard to do what you're doing. So as much as, like, on one side, that's not good, but on the flip side, it's hard for people to copy that. 
Yeah, our um, food distributor loves us because I think um, we did like an audit and there was like over a thousand ingredients, you know? You know, I'm just saying like, just say your broccoli, your green beans, or just your vegetables. Like we use every vegetable you can think of where like one restaurant right. usually just does broccoli or something, you know, or French fries. Right, right. And we use sweet potatoes, sweet potato waffle fries, sweet potato, you know, like uh, you can put sweet potatoes every which way um, that we do. So it's a, yeah, we've had, um, I think that in the beginning they wanted to put us in a box. And so you really have to hold on to your integrity and be like, no, this is what makes us different. This is what we want to do. And then when we went through COVID and everyone was kind of shutting their doors and our numbers were going up because we were already a delivery, like not delivery, but you know, a carry out service with meals. Yeah. Um, they came to realize they're like, Hey, yeah, we're sorry. You know, like we understand now. And I was like, okay. So right. it was, that's crazy. And, and you know, it's, it's funny because I think about like the, the journey that you're going through of like, you know, I think you said 25, 30 ish locations, um, a year. What, what can, you know, if you were to pitch to maybe, you know, people listening that say, okay, what would want to make someone, let's say, get involved with this versus maybe, um, another type of franchise. So in, in other words, who would be maybe an ideal, you know, franchisee for you? Our best owner operators are, um, believe it or not, are couples. Um, we have a okay. lot of married couples in our system and most either one or both have a fitness background. And I'm not saying that's it, but I think if you're in the fitness world, um, you have, I mean, we are a people business. I mean, there's anybody can make chicken broccoli rice is what I always say, but it's what that customer service is and your relationship and your loyalty with that customer. So if you don't like helping people, then this, we can't. If you come to a discovery day on us and you're like, yeah, I love your five revenues. Like I'm just like, I can't wait to make money. And I'm like, eh, no, you're not the right person for us. So mm -hmm. it's usually, um, I would say probably 99% of our, our owners have some sort of weight loss journey or some sort of something that they, you know, they've, they've lost weight and they just want to help their community. Like that's what we hear all the time. So, um, we've had an owner who's down like 160 pounds. We had another one who wow. he's down 120 pounds. Um, we've wow. had try and think, you know, just, it's like all those stories. So it, our culture is really important to us with that. That's amazing. And I, and I think that's something that's interesting about your, your specific kind of world is like, and I, I mean, really, it should be in, in in more places, but kind of marrying the, the two sides of like, yeah, like business, making money, but also kind of enjoying what I'm doing and like living a healthy lifestyle because there's a lot of ways to make money, but some will take years off your life kind of thing and high stress. And not to say like any business has a certain level of high stress, don't get me wrong, but to hear people losing weight, living a healthier lifestyle and like, well, you know, being able to own and operate a successful business sounds pretty pretty enticing um i'd love to hear like you know you spoke about you know uh, a lot of couples that was actually a question i wanted to ask you right because a lot of people will say you maybe sometimes here you know like don't go into business with family or so i'd love to hear your take on how has it been it could i know it could be a blessing it could be a curse but i'd love to hear your experience and what you say to like working with your you know partner or working with your husband how how has that been and any lessons you can share yeah it's it's he like yes we work great together. And I think the reason why, because we're such yin and yang, you know, 
Like I'm rainbows and unicorns. Or well, I always say he's black and white, and I'm Fifty Shades of Gray. So I always, <laughs> uh, and that you you laugh because you like you know exactly what type of people yeah. we are. Like yeah, I'm yeah. over here looking at butterflies and unicorns, and he's like systems procedures, like you know yeah. his commas or whatever. I'm like ah whatever, you know I'll text yeah. him. Um, yeah. But I think um, two reasons why couples work together because. If you know anything about the restaurant business, you know that this is, I always say it's a baby. Like you are up with it and it's vomiting on you 365 days, seven days a week, like 24 hours a day. And um, it's good to have both of those people to go in with you because then you don't catch heat when you go home and, you know, an employee called in sick and you got to come in. Like, no, you both want to be there, you know? So Mm. um, I feel like time value, it's great because you're both invested in it. Um, and then I think the things that go wrong is when that you both have the same personality. So if you Mm. both want to be in the back of the house, there's usually always our couples are usually one wants to not be in front of people. And the other one is a total people person. So one does all the operations. One does like kind of the customer service. And that's how me and Don were, um, I did, I cooked because I love to cook and he did all of our front of the house, uh, customer, you know, interactions. So, um, yeah, but it's the couples who want control, like they are both control freaks. Similar, Does not right. work. <laughs> that's that, that's interesting, and obviously, like you have, you know, there, there, there's weight to what you're saying because you've you've been at this since 2011, I believe. Yeah, 2010. So you know, 2010. There you go. So you know, 13. What is that? Yeah, 13 years, almost 14 years. So like, there's not. It's not just like you know, we're, we're not hearing someone who's been in in business with their husband for six months saying how how you guys work well it's it's you know 10 plus years over a decade of uh of doing this and and you know 98 locations and and building a, a real business a real system and i think there's probably a lesson there to even not only shed it to you know couples but i guess i would even say partnerships in general because when you were talking about that it was making me just think in general like a good partner usually is pretty complimentary right like there's similar skills in the sense of like maybe you know intelligent this that but like it makes sense. Like usually a good partner is compliment to you. If, if you both have the same skills, it's kind of, there's a redundancy there of like, Oh, we're both really strong in marketing. Well, who's doing finance? Who's doing operating? Right. So that, that's a good tip. That's a really good tip. That's awesome. And what's next, what's next for you guys. It sounds like you guys are on a good trajectory. You're impacting lives, not just financially, like from the franchisee point of view, but from the end consumer point of view, you're, you're impacting their, their, their health and their, 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 their life. Um, adding 20 plus 25 plus locations a year. What's kind of like next steps for, 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 for you and your husband? What do you, what do you guys want to achieve? Well, the first one is to reach a hundredth location. So, hmm. um, I'm, I'm really tired of being called an emerging brand. So I want to be, uh, a, you know, uh, what do they call, uh, I'm going to lose my, um, established. I want to be recognized as an established brand. And I've heard like, um, you know, you kind of get some recognition after that hundredth location. So we're two away. So I'm so excited about that. I think we'll hit it by the end of the year. So, so let me ask you this since, since, you know, this goes out to a lot of people. So we could do a quick shout out. We need two more people. (laughs) How do they reach you? If someone's interested, this is probably a good, good quick segue. If someone is interested, they're hearing this story. They're like, yeah, I'd like to learn more. How can they learn more about the franchise opportunity and what's the best way to kind of get there? 
um, cleaneats.com, and that's like he said, a Z at the at Eats. Um, and then at the bottom page, it's franchise. We have a whole franchise page. So just fill that out um, and then send it in. And um, we'll have our uh, brand one on the other end, and they reach out, talk to you. And if everything goes, they think you're a good fit, then you come in here for a two day interview with us. Um, and we meet you and, you know, we always say your head and your heart have to align with this brand. And if it doesn't, then it's fine. Like, you know, we're just not right. But, um, if both of those align, then we love to have you join the family. Awesome. So you guys heard that clean eats eats with a Z.com and then franchise at the bottom. So that's, that sounds great. And who knows, maybe it'll be store number 100. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. And then sorry to go back to the vision. So obviously at getting this message out, hitting that 100, tell me more. What's, what's next for you guys? Um, so then, yeah, it's getting, I mean, everyone it, like to reach a hundred, I know it's, it's not easy, but like things change. And so I think another little secret to franchising is you always think that you're bigger than what you are. So if you're sure. at a hundred, I mean, we're operating like we have 150 or you're operating like you have 200 because in the franchise world, I feel like everything moves at a snail's pace, you know? So hmm. um, when you realize that you've, um, you've outgrown everything, it's almost too late. So if you start preparing yourself, like you're operating at a bigger scale than usually all your systems that you put in, but it's really tightening up our systems procedures on that we are opening our corporate headquarters uh, next month so we have a huge training facility here in wilmington north carolina um along with another cafe that we're opening so that we can train them in that um and then my mission which we have our convention next thursday um so we're we've been doing a fundraiser for september september is childhood obesity and okay. um you know being a farm kid with unhealthy um, options in that community, uh, getting made for like, I, my mom put me in Husky boy jeans to go to school in cause I was a little chubby kid. And so it's been a mission of mine to bring back the childhood, like just have a voice for those kids. And so mm -hmm. we did our first, we're in the process of doing our first fundraiser and we, um, partnered with, um, camp, um, if I mess his name up, I better get it right. Uh, po Pocono, um, in Virginia or in Pennsylvania, I'm sorry. And uh, it's like a camp where um, kids can go there and get help for eight weeks um, with their nutrition and their exercise. And so that's, that's awesome. huge for us. Um, we're hoping our first goal is um, to raise $50,000 um, this, you know, within this four week period. So I think we're, awesome. we'll come really close to it. So yeah, give them back to the community. Um, yeah, I just, just keep making us better, you know, um, keep, keep making as us the gap between our competition, just a little bit bigger, um, hmm. getting more brand awareness out there. I don't think you can ever get enough brand awareness in right. your market. So. Right. That's awesome. That those are great initiatives. And I think that the fact that your vision and your mission is like very clear, you find, you're going to find the right people to, to help keep growing it, which you've, you guys obviously have been doing a great job. And you know, what, one kind of final thought that comes to mind is, you know, clean eats, right? I love the name, but, Clean could be subjective. So I want to know from you, obviously you have your definition of what is clean to you? What does clean food mean, I guess, for clean eats in general? Um, clean to us is, uh, it means keeping the food at its natural state. So mm. um, that's like not adding, you know, the butters, the salts um, to your broccoli to make it taste better. Broccoli does taste better. Uh, 
it's chicken. It's to use real chicken breasts um, that aren't loaded with sodium in it. Um, the beef products, um, sauces, like no high fructose corn syrup, like as minimal ingredients as we possibly can. So um, yeah, clean has been a debatable thing because some people think clean and that means we're vegan, we're vegetarian, we're, you know, all that. Uh, We're all organic, you know, that stuff. But our state is, man, food tastes great without adding all the crap to it. So, um, or even if you do want to add a little cheese to the, you know, broccoli or the queso, it's in portions and it's balanced. I think another big thing, our mission is, that, you know, New Year's resolutions are coming. So everyone's, you know, they're, they're um, already starting to think about that, but everyone goes so extreme. Like we cut out everything um, to where we just set ourselves up for failure. So it's, you can eat normal. You can eat a pizza right. on the weekends if you want to. It's about being balanced. And so right. that's really what we try to teach our customers when they come in the door is like, it's okay. You know, we're yeah. only open six days. It, oh, well, actually, we're open seven now. Um, but we used to only be open six days. And we're like, that's your hall pass to go eat pizza on Sunday, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's if if you go so extreme, either which way, none of us will ever succeed in that. So, Right. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think there's, there's magic there in, like, just being consistent. Like, just being as consistent as you can. And, like, over a long enough period, you, you start seeing the results. And even just me on the personal side, like, I was never that let's say big or whatever, but I, I did realize, and that's why I appreciate like what, you, what you're doing is like, I don't, I don't think you'll realize like if you would just take like a, a weighted average of, you know, let's say sleep, fitness and food, like food is a lot bigger than people think, you know what I mean? And I think that's one thing I've realized like, and sleep too, actually, like, yes, gym is super important to get me wrong. I know you're a gym person. I've been going to the gym quite often. I mean, probably not as much as you, but I, I, I appreciate the gym and sweating and I feel good after, but I think people underestimate food and it's like for me a quick story i just want to share is like i remember years ago but i i used to go to this boxing gym and and after like i don't know two three months i saw this guy and he went from having kind of like a big beer belly to like a six-pack and i was like man and I, i'll never forget we're in the locker room and i was always like i told him i'm like shit man the the, the skip rope in the boxing room and he's like that helped but he, he was all clean eating i did this in the kitchen and i was like it really stuck with me and i think that's one message maybe to share with our audience for people who are kind of motivated to get in shape and feel their best is like, and maybe you can touch on this, but like what, you know, how important is the food aspect when thinking about, you know, the trifecta of food, gym and sleep? I mean, it's super important. I mean, I would, you could almost skip, I don't want to say you want to skip the working out part, but as long as your diet's in check, you know, and your sleep, like you said, sleep, stress, all that stuff plays such a big thing. But man, I was like, you know, going to that boxing gym, you probably only like burn 400, maybe 600 calories. (laughs) Well, you you can consume that in like one meal, right? And we got about three or four meals that we consume a day or the snacking in between type of stuff. So you can see how that like blows it out of proportion. And it's so bad to, you know, knowing that you've ate something in the morning and you're like, I have all day, I got to get this off uh, type of stuff. But man, it's, it's also too like uh, the mindset, you know, like I know the buffets, COVID kind of wiped out a lot of the buffets, but you know, we always went to go get our money's worth too. And so like, you know, loading up in the bigger portion sizes, we just got way out of reality um, right. with all of that. So, you know, healthy eating, it, it's like the, 
look how much it causes. Look how much it causes our body, like the um, diabetes, the heart conditions, um, yeah. just your joints. It, you don't sleep well if you're overweight, yeah. you know? So it just ties into so much. And it, there's a lot of good stuff out there to eat. So I'm not saying that, but it's in moderation. So if you can just get that part balanced, like you can still have your cookies and milk, you know, it just yeah, yeah. have them every it. night uh, while you're on the couch chilling. I know in 2015, you started the franchise and then it seems like a couple of years later, there was something called Clean Eats Kitchen. Can you touch on what Clean Eats Kitchen is? Yeah, so Clean Eats Kitchen um, is our nationwide delivery service. Um, we started this in 2017 for two reasons, because um, we only had 12 locations at that time. So in order to get our franchise owners um, a great food contracts, we had to become a little bit bigger than what we currently were. And also for national branding, um, we couldn't act like we were bigger if we couldn't supply right. to all the states. So uh, the kitchens, um, we have four of them. There's one in Salt Lake City, um, St. Louis, Missouri, and then two here in Wilmington, North Carolina. They are um, all USDA inspections and FDA. Um, and what makes that kind of cool is, well, not cool. Like we have an inspector in our facilities at all of them <laughs> every day, every day. <laughs> Wow. Um, which is great because it's like you guys who order meals um, with the little bugs on them, like you should know that they really do come in and inspect your product and make sure you're using the proper ingredients, make sure it's safe for um, the consumers to use. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really grown. COVID was really good to us. Um, we picked up a lot of Medicare um, contracts. Um, the meals on wheels um, were wow. paused. So we took over all the North most of North Carolina's Meals on Wheels to the elderly. Um, we have a lot of NBA contracts. We just wow. did the G League um, last year. We're um, on the Olympics uh, this year to sponsor, I think, the women's basketball, gymnastics, okay. and soccer, maybe? I think soccer. Um, and then what's really cool, like um, we're in Wilmington, North Carolina, which is Jacksonville, um, North Carolina, which is Camp Lejeune, which that's our Marine base. Tons of Marines go out there. Um, they called us up one day and um, told us, asked us for a meeting on base. And um, so we were like, okay. And so I had no idea. Like, look, we were two gym rats. I was in booty shorts, <laughs> crop top. You know, I did not meet their uh, dress code whatsoever. I have been kicked out of the base once time for the dress code, um, oh, but they, they let me come back. Um, so anyway, we walk into this long conference table and this, um, um, Colonel was sitting at the table and he's like, we have a problem. And I was like, I thought we were in trouble. And he was like, we have 50 Marines who are about ready to get discharged. He's like, they're overweight. He's like, do you think your meals can help us? And I was like, of oh, course, wow. you know? Okay. So again, if you're an entrepreneur, say yes. And then figure out, figure like, it out after. Yep. And throw your parachute. However, um, my husband yep. kicked me underneath the table at the time. Cause, um, he's like, when do you want, or I said, when do you want them delivered? And he's like, Monday, this was Thursday. And I was like, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so I did get like a bruise um, from underneath the table uh, kick. Oh, um, but that was like the best contract ever. So uh, just because you said yes, by the way, all 50 Marines passed with flying colors and none of them got discharged. Wow. And so that created an alliance with us and the Marines um, super quick. Uh, so now um, we are in every Marine base in the U.S., um, so if you go on the things are the MCXs, we're all there. And then, um, we just are, um, 
Japan reached out to us um, probably at the beginning of the year. And our first shipment just arrived last week with 10,000 meals um, over to Japan. Wow. So that was super cool. Um, we're hoping it works. And um, then we would go into all of the um, bases overseas. So kind of cool that your that... meals were on a shipping container heading over. Yeah, that's a... Wow, that's a huge milestone. And and I think, you know, to your point, there's a lesson there because I feel the, the same way. And I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs do is like kind of, like you said, jump off and then figure out how the parachute works. And, you know, sometimes it backfires, but most of the time it'll lead to something. And, and to your point, you took that risk. You're like, oh, we'll figure it out. First of all, it's crazy that all 50 passed, like 100% passed, yeah. I think speaks to something. So congrats on that. But then the fact that it led to these bigger contracts and now you're, you know, in all most of these bases are like that's huge so uh, to, you know to our listeners i think sometimes take that leap of faith and, and figure it out as you go it's it's never going to be perfect and if you feel like it's perfect chances are you waited too long i was laughing because um i just talked to our original lady who helped us you know like if you would solve our operations back in 2017 you would totally laugh like again you figure this out you wing it until you make it and you just like just just put your head down and just keep going but um, I was talking to her the other day and she's like, you guys still are our number one seller besides alcohol and tobacco. So I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> that's amazing. That well, look, that, that, that's great. So, so that's really cool. So clean, cleaneats.com and then you got cleaneats kitchen, cleaneats kitchen. You guys do a lot of big contracts, but cleaneats kitchen, just to be clear, can it also be just for like individuals? Like if I wanted to order from yes. cleaneats kitchen, can it? Okay. Yep. Okay. So that's awesome. Delivered. So you kind of got these two arms. Yep. So we, I know uh, it sounds like we have a lot, but there's only 98 locations and that's that people still don't even know who we are. Right. So right. Uh, Cleanings Kitchen just lets us get our word out there and it's great. Um, those of you guys who are franchising and who are looking for leads um, because they usually eat our product and this was a great marketing tool to get new leads in to buy that's franchises. Awesome. So probably I would say probably at least 60% of our leads that come in for franchising, um, have ordered the Cleanings Kitchen or saw it somewhere, and that's how that's they found awesome. it. So that's awesome. So that speaks volumes, <laughs> which is great because that means like the customer now wants to become a franchise, which speaks to believing in the product, believing in the vision, which I think is 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 a great way to build up that franchise. So the, kudos to you because that's super smart, and I think that'll create a stronger network of franchisees. Yeah, so that's a Amazing. red flag too. If they haven't ate your meals and they want to buy your franchise, like. Yeah, True. There, it's too easy to get a meal in your hand these days. So, um, yeah, we're just like, if you haven't ate our product, how do you, how do you, can you even believe in it? So that's a big that's um, thing for us too. That's amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that. So cleaneats.com again, eats with a Z and then clean eats kitchen as well for delivery. And it's really cool to hear that you're getting these really big contracts. So congrats. I'm excited. We got to celebrate when you get to the hundredth location two away. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm there. Count me in. I want to celebrate with you guys. So you're invited. Be a, a nice, a nice milestone. Amazing. Thank you. I love it. And then maybe to wrap things up for people listening who are, you know, a restaurant owners, they're, you know, they're, they're figuring it out. They're maybe in their early days, any kind of words of wisdom, like you, you've done it, you know, you I mean, you're still doing it, but you've gone from jumping in with both feet and sleeping at the venue to, to where you are today. So any kind of, Looking back, sometimes I think it's easier to connect the dots. So when you look back, any kind of words of wisdom you could maybe share with some of our fellow entrepreneurial listeners? Oh, man. Uh, I would have to say um, back to kind of like it, there's no plan B. 
Like if your heart and your head aligns with this and you have a vision and you have a mission, then there should be nothing that stops you. Um, like it's the work ethic. I know we've all kind of lost a little bit of that. I feel like, um, it's taking chances. It's being able to lay everything on the line, knowing, because if you can't lay everything on the line for your business, how do you expect someone coming in who wants to buy your franchise to lay it all on the line? You know, um, following your gut. I have a really good gut. Uh, my gut speaks to me a lot. And I mean, that's a real thing. So trust your gut. Um, keep your integrity. There's a lot of snakes out there um, that make it very convenient for you to bend your principles. And that's all you have is your word and your integrity. So make sure those stay intact throughout this process. I love it. That what I'm turning that into short. That was a great, that was a great snippet. So thank you for sharing that. Once again, we're here with Yvonne, co-founder at cleaneatswithaz.com. And for those interested in hearing the story, we're going to be posting this on all our social channels, uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you name it, LinkedIn too. Um, and for those interested in maybe an opportunity who are into this space, you can go check out cleaneats.com. Yvonne, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today and to tell your story. Thank you, guys. Feel free to check out wist.ai for more resources and schedule a demo with one of our product specialists to see if it's a fit for you.